Let us pray. Now, Lord, it is your time, never, never mind. So we ask that you enlighten our minds, soften our hearts, unite us, so that after we hear your word, we, would, we will be diligent, ready to live out the word and make the world a better place. May the words that I, words that I speak bring you praise, O oh God, and never, never shame. It is in your name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. Muhammad, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were two of the greatest boxers of their time. They had a love-hate relationship. Frazier always wanted Ali's respect and Ali never seemed to want to give it. Ali spoke of himself as being a handsome, God-like man and spoke of Frazier as being looking more like an animal and Frazier just hated the way Ali talked about him, but it was all, Ali was a showman. He probably didn't mean any of it, but it deeply hurt Frazier. When Ali was stripped of his title because of his stance on the Vietnam War and being a conscious objector, it was Frazier who went to him and asked him, do you need any money? Do you need anything? And what he eventually needed from Frazier was for Frazier to give him a fight. And Frazier had nothing to gain and much to lose, but he gave him the fight anyway. They have three tremendous fights. Ali liked to say, I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. And Frazier said something and nobody ever thought of him much as a religious man, but he said something, you, you're the greatest in your eyes, but what about in the eyes of God? And I think about that as, we, as the text as I reflect on a text, and you heard Brother Miles do a wonderful job reading the Mark text, we're always concerned about being great, not spiritually great, but worldly great. Disciples are fighting. He's trying to prepare them for his death and this great ransom for the world. And, and they're fighting about who's, you know, who's on the left, who's on the right, who is going to be the greatest. And he's saying the servant not the overlord, not the king, not the Pharaoh. It is the servant, the servant of God who can be great. The one who puts himself last in the kingdom will be first. But you have to acknowledge that. And the only way you do it is to have a God-like mind, not a worldly mind. A mind that focuses on the immediate, the necessary, the God-like things. And he brings up children, those who relate to children, those who, who, who reach out to the children. You know, universally, children get a, don't get much attention. Yeah, we know we got to feed them. We got to clothe them. We hope to give them love and security. But have you ever, ever known a politician talk to kids? They don't have anything to give them. They can't give them any money, can't give them a vote. Children around the world are forced to be child soldiers. They're forced into child labor. They're forced into sex trafficking. And all around the world, children are constantly bombarded with, with, the, with the elder sins. We take advantage of our children. Child pornography is worth billions of dollars. Billions, millions and millions, uh, dozens and dozens of folk, even thousands of folk indulge themselves in child porn and, and and doing these things to children. What God is saying is maybe if we focused 
on the ones who are vulnerable and can't do anything for you. That's where the servant starts. We don't start up at the top as a politician. We don't start at the top talking to the millionaires. We don't start talking to the powerful people. We start talking to the vulnerable, the innocents. Start talking to the children. And how we relate to children probably determines how we relate to God's world. If we want to be great, we have to first be a servant. And what he's saying is, is the servant is a, the servant is especially able to serve because he understands pain and suffering and sorrow. The servant is actually a wounded healer. Historically, all the people we know, the people that we love and care about, they have that sensitivity and that innate desire to help because they've been there. Life has never been easy. They have been there. They've been on a journey. They've seen poverty. They've seen heartbreak. They've seen so much. Instead of being bitter, it made them better. If you are going to be a servant, you got to recognize your own need for healing, your own wounds. And all of us, from the cradle to the grave, we carry childhood wounds. Something has happened to everybody born when they were a child. It has deep scar tissue. How we live our lives determines how we have dealt with that scar tissue. We have been wounded, sometimes by parents, sometimes by friends, sometimes by the world, but we have been wounded. But it's the God in us that enables us to move on and move on and keep on moving. And he talks about children. Children are born without any preconceived notions, without any hate, without any malice. Children play together across racial lines. Children love and care about each other across racial lines, across socioeconomic lines. Children are there innocent, waiting to be groomed. And sometimes we groom them so uh, in such an ugly manner. We, instead of getting them equipped for the world, we get them equipped for hate. We get them equipped for turmoil. We get them equipped for violence. Instead of giving, getting them equipped to be servants of God, uh, have you been wounded? And what do you do with that? Have you been in pain? What do you do with that? Life is never going to be easy. And the Bible never promised us a bed of roses. Life is never going to be easy. What God says, if you have the ability to recognize that I am your God, who feeds a sparrow, who makes the sun come up, I am God, your God who will be with you. I am your God who will not leave you nor forsake you. If you understand that early, then you're better able to appreciate the rainbow in the sky. You're better able to appreciate the first bloom of the summer. Your spring, you're better able to even appreciate a deep snowfall that I've created. You're better able to live out your life expecting each day to be a better day because you exist and you have the power, you have the God-like power to make that day better. What you do with your day, what you do with your life matters. Wounded. Serve with the wounded healer. Dr. King the servant, the wounded healer. John Lewis, the servant, the wounded healer. Think about any civil rights icon. Think about anybody who's been in the battle. You think about anybody who's been fighting for justice. You think about the scar tissue, the pain. Think about the John Lewis who could, could have been mentally disabled. He had hit in the head. You think about Dr. King who was stabbed by somebody who should have known better. If he had these sneezed, he would have bled to death. Inwardly, you think about 
where people have had to endure. You think about Mick Evers and his family, you think about the pain and the constant turmoil, the constant threats. Think about it. If we are going to understand what being a wounded healer means, and we understand how tough life can get, and we understand that the only thing that keeps us above water, the only safety net we have is the love of God and that love that is reflected through family, friends, and kin. The people of God gather, the people of God gather to pray for you, the people of God gather to, to save you, the people of God gather to love you, the people of God gather just to immerse themselves in the true spirit of a living God. That's who we are. So we have to keep asking the question, if we are wounded healers, we have to let the world know it. Yes, we're wounded. We're, Jesus Christ was wounded. He was spat upon, cursed, he threatened, and finally killed. You will be threatened. You will be talked about. You will be backstabbed. All these things are going to happen. But you don't stop. You keep on going as a wounded healer because you have the spirit of God in you that cannot be taken away. You have the love of God in you that nobody can take from you. And it's real. It's legitimate. It's not just a feeling that you have sometimes. It is a, it is a, it's a high that you carry from the cradle to the grave because you know the power of God. You know the songs that you sing about are real. You know, you don't just say it, you know it. God is an awesome God because God has seen you through the delivery of bad pregnancy and you came out on the other side. God has seen you through drug addicted children. God has seen you through cancer in your body. God has seen you through heartbreak. God has seen you through loss of everything. God has seen you lose your home in a tornado. God has seen you nearly down a car crash. God has seen you and God has been there every step of the world through flame and flood and hell and fire and stone. God has been there. And God has said to you, the sun will eventually come up. Just hold on. Hold on to my unchanging hand. Hold on, children. Hold on. You can do it. But do you have the love as a wounded healer? Do you have the desire to serve a true and living God? And what you do with your life matters. We can sing about it. We can preach about it. We can pray about it. But this world demands action. It requires action in order to save our world. It requires us sometimes to take risks that we don't want to take. We'd rather be home in our comfortable beds, but, but they're marching for women's rights. We'd rather be home in our, in our comfortable bed, but they're marching for voting rights. We'd rather be home in our comfortable bed, but they're voting for prison reform. I mean, they're marching for prison reform. They're marching through neighborhoods to end the violence. We live our lives day by day asking God, how can I make the world a better place? And that requires giving all of me. It requires me lying prostrate, prostrate on, the, on the altar. Lord, I come to the altar, I give me. People are asking for my money and they're asking for my time. I give all of me, me. I don't send somebody to my place, Lord. I send me. I'm here. I'm here, Lord. I am here. I'm here. 
I'm here because I stand on the legacy of my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother. I'm generations and generations of people who trust, had their trust in you, God. Even when it seemed like things were not going to turn out right, we're still here. Even when we, we even when we were in that riot that killed thousands, we're still here. Our ancestors still spring forth. They cannot destroy us in race riots, cannot destroy us in, in all the evil that they wanted to do with the world. They cannot destroy us. We're still here because God wanted us here. We've got, we're children of a living God, and the world can't destroy your world did not create us, and the world surely can't destroy us. Praise be that wounded healers know and understand that they have to be servants. They're not, they're not sitting around whining about their wounds. They're sitting around binding somebody else's wounds. They're not sitting around with their hands out. They're walking around with their hands open, giving to those who have less than they do. It makes a difference. We talk about people and their resources, and it baffles us how people choose to use their resources. But when somebody like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, Ted turn to say that I want to give all my money away before I die, billions and billions. These people are billionaires who understand that to whom much is given, much is required, they won't give it all away. And yet there are those who pile it up and 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 give away a little bit for recognition. But when you say, I'm going to give it all away, you're not giving for recognition, you're giving for a cause. That's, that's who you be. In your soul, in your in your, in your being, I, I was talking to my younger brother the other day who has plenty of toys. And what I said to him is, I said, you know what the true measure, I believe the true measure of a kingdom builder, of a true servant is? So let me ask you, Maurice, let me ask you, what's the most expensive toy you had on? Is it your shotgun? Is it your, is it your nine millimeter? Is it your boat? Whatever, what, the, the biggest toy you got, let me ask you, have you ever given that amount of, amount of resources to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked? You have bought, ask another cousin, you got a $1,000 purse, sweetie, and that's good. You're able to buy it, but how many, have you ever given $1,000 to the Salvation Army? Ever given $1,000 to the soup kitchen? I am amazed at how we can yell and scream to the top of our lungs how much we love God and what, our, what we do with our resources. Sometimes it just don't jive. Sometimes it just don't make a lot of sense to know that I spent $2,000 on a suit and won't spend $100 to get a child in Easter outfit. Something wrong with that picture. But when I am... A servant, I don't count the cost. When I'm a servant, I do what I'm called to do. I do what is necessary. And there are times when God will tell you, God will tell you to do stuff that you, God, I, I, don't, I don't really, oh, no, 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 Lord. 
I don't like, I had a, I just had this theory, never pick up hitchhikers. And when I got into ministry, God would always have me picking somebody up. And I stayed at odds with God. Why you want me putting that person in my car? From Nashville, was it Nashville, Tennessee? And I, I stopped to give a guy some money on the side. I thought I was just gonna give him some money. He's on the side of the road. And he grabbed his duffel bag and jumped in my truck. And I thought, what the heck? I couldn't, well, I could have pushed him out, but so maybe I'll get down to the next truck stop and, and I, can, I can put him out. But his he engaged me in conversation and the conversation in my life was so rich and deep from somebody who'd been on the road for years and years in his life that I ended up taking him as far as I was going to Jackson, Tennessee. Then the Lord said, well, he's got to get all the way to Dallas, take him to the bus station. I said, Lord, I've done enough. I got to speak in an hour. I can't take him to the bus station. And you know how much it costs to get him to Dallas from Jackson on a, with a bus ticket? And the Lord said, what did I tell you to do? And as I listen to God, you know, when you listen, it gets better and better in your soul because he unravels why you need to do it. And the joy in this man's life, just getting back home to Dallas and the expressions of the people around me when I bought his ticket, I was not ready for that. Because there was a time in the time of the bus station where everybody was paying attention. And they saw what God does. And what we do as a servant of God, I'd been there. I'd been needing a ride. I knew in my soul what it meant to not have a ride. And God said, do A, do B, do C. When we listen to God, we are the ones who benefit. I gained a whole lot more from that hitchhiker than he would ever gain from me a ride and a, and a, and a, and a ticket to Dallas. When we respond to God as, as wounded healers and understand what that means, then God is satisfied with what we've done. But he says, don't stop now. You don't, don't pat yourself on the back because you've done a good thing. Keep on passing it on. Keep on passing it on. And he says, do stuff for people who can't do anything for you. And a childlike spirit, it, you can't gain anything from this hitchhiker except the knowledge that you serve me. And when we do that, and when God is pleased, every day gets better and better and better, and our lives get richer and richer and richer. On her deathbed, Mama Lou was in, lived in, on the west side of Chicago and on, on, on her deathbed, uh, her young pastor came and to talk there because she was a legend for opening her upper homes to uh, prostitutes and runaways and, and everybody. But he, he asked her, why have you spent your life last 30 years doing this stuff? And what she said to him is I've had a life. I have been abused. I have been raped. I have lost children early in miscarriages. My husband died early. I have had all this pain, but in the midst of all the pain that I've had, in the midst of all this, I could see the hand of God with the love of people around me. And I watched the young girls and the prostitutes on the west side of Chicago. And the Lord said, you can give yourself into this and I'll be with you. 
And as I poured myself into it, the resources came, the help came, the aid came. I have been wounded all my life, but the healing comes in the service that I have given my community. And now I know, and I'm sure, and I rest assured that I will see my living God. And he will say, you, you didn't do all the things I told you to do, but welcome home. It's been a mighty good day. Thank you for doing the best you could with what you had. Wounded healer, servant, come home. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen, amen, and amen. Let us pray. Lord, we're all wounded one in one way or another. Help us, Lord, to listen to you and to pay attention, to give ourselves away, to do the best we can. If there are people who are listening out there who need you, Lord, who need to be a servant, to need, who need to join the list of wounded healers, help us, oh God, help them as they say, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry, Lord, Ex please accept me into that for our church can help you or any church open in the name of God can guide you and direct you. For those who will be with us doing glory side is the same is true. We give all thanks to Jesus in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen.